Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're going to read from 2 Peter this evening, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 18, to the end of the chapter. Uh, you'll find our reading tonight on page 1019 into 1020 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, we're finishing our series on 2 Peter this evening. Uh, we've been in it for a few months now, uh, taking a, a couple of breaks from it, uh, but we're finishing this little letter this evening. So 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 11, and we're reading down to the end of the chapter and the end of the book. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 11. This is God's word to us. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Second Peter. We're finishing this little letter tonight. You'll find Second Peter chapter 3 on pages 1019 into 1020 of the Pew Bibles. And as you're turning to that passage, let's pray for a moment together. Father, we thank you that your word is living and active. It tells us itself that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And we pray that tonight as we finish this short, snappy little letter, that you would help us to take home its main point again, that you would help us to understand how Peter wraps his letter up. But most of all, that you would help us as we seek to live for the Lord Jesus in this world. We realize that this world is passing away, that the things of this earth will not matter in eternity. We realize that trusting in you is, is, is the only thing that will last and, and living for you is the only thing that will last. And so we pray for grace tonight. As we think about these things together, we pray that you would speak to us and challenge us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this evening we're finishing our series on the letter of Second Peter. Uh, we had been in it prior to Easter and we've returned to it over the past three Sunday evenings. Uh, we went through chapters two and three quicker than we went through chapter one. And what I want to do tonight is wrap the series up. We're going to look at verses 11 to 18 of chapter three with a particular focus on verses 17 and 18, the last two verses of the book. 
Uh, we did this last week as well, read an extended section, but focused on just a few verses. And we're going to do that again with reference to those other verses as we wrap this series up. Uh, as you'll know by now, I have a little bit of a taste for the genre of fantasy. I'm still reading Lord of the Rings, and that will be the only mention of Lord of the Rings tonight, I promise. That's the only mention. Uh, but I have been reading other similar types of books recently as well. And one of the most interesting mythological creatures is the phoenix. You'll know what I'm talking about, I think. It originated from Egyptian mythology and apparently possessed beautiful gold and red plumage. Historians tell us that when a phoenix grew old and sensed that it was not long for this earth, that the putting off of its body was soon, it would build a nest out of cinnamon wings. After being ignited by flames, the nest and the, and the bird would burn fiercely until each were reduced to ashes. At that moment, all appeared lost. The majestic bird had fallen from the sky forever, never to fly again. But then, according to the myth, suddenly a young phoenix would rise from the ashes and return, to wing, uh, to, return by wing to the skies where it would fly overhead once more. That old myth is where we get the phrase like a phoenix rising from the ashes. It's a phrase that represents something that died but came back to life. In some ways, this second letter written by Peter functions or represents his phoenix-like rise from the ashes. It's written by a man who knew what it was like to fall and to fall hard. On the night of Jesus' own death, the Savior said to his disciples, you will all fall away because of me this night. And Peter was the one who replied, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if I must die for you, I will not deny you. Peter confidently declared that it wouldn't be him, that it wouldn't happen to him, that he wouldn't fall away. And what happened? Peter fell once, Peter fell twice, and he fell for a third time before the intimidating presence of a young servant girl in the high priest's courtyard. But two other important events took place that night. In Luke 22, 32, we learn that Jesus had prayed that Peter's faith may not fail. And second, and this is more significant in terms of understanding second Peter, Jesus prophetically charged Peter to strengthen his brothers after he rose and before he ascended to heaven. Strengthen the brothers and the sisters. Remind them of grace that will keep them from falling. That, that, that phrase is probably the key to understanding the whole letter. Uh, Peter is ebbing towards the end of his life at the time of writing. And what does he do? He strengthens the church of all generations by what he writes. At the beginning of the letter, he says, verse 12, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Established, the key word. Now at the end of the letter, verse 17, he says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. As we come to the end of this little letter, we should be encouraged. Encouraged because it was written by someone who knew what it was like to fall and to fall hard but it comes to us by the hand of someone whose faith did not fail. And these are his final words to us, the, the final words of Peter written and inscripturated for us. 
Peter has two final things to say to us and and one final song to sing. Here here are our points this evening. They're on the screen. Peter speaks about the importance of staying on guard, the command to keep seeking to grow, and the privilege of singing all glory. Let's think about that first point together. Peter writes about the importance of staying on guard. Look, Look at what he writes in verse 17 of chapter 3. He says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. As Peter prepares to pen his last words to the church, we find him using a a really tender pastoral word. It's the word beloved. One of the things that we said early in this series is that Peter's tone at times is a little bit belligerent. He's a little bit sharp at times. But, But as chapter three opens we begin to see something of his pastoral heart. Four times in chapter three, he uses the word beloved. His heart was was full of love for God's people. Over the years, he had learned to love the sheep. Uh, Some of you have been lambing recently. Most of you, I'm guessing, are finished or very nearly finished. At the start, you maybe have some love for the sheep and what they're about to go through and despite what they're going to put you through, but by the end, my guess is that you're tired and you just want the thing to be over. You, you, your love for the sheep will have waned somewhat. Over the years, Peter's love for the sheep, the people of God, grew. And at the end of his earthly pilgrimage, he's calling the sheep his beloved. That They were always God's beloved, but now Peter on death's door, knowing that after his death, unloving teachers will come along and distort the truth, tells his beloved to take care. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. He gives two reasons for this important reminder to take care. The first is so that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. Now, the image of being carried away is a frightening one. We haven't really highlighted this, but throughout the letter, the idea that, that people are being carried along one path of life or another has been present. So in 2.2, Peter talks about people following their sensuality. In 2.15, he talks about people forsaking their right way and going astray. In 2.21, he says that it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. So he's talking about two roads, two different directions of travel right throughout his letter. Aware that we're all on a dangerous journey, Peter plants one last warning sign along the road. Take care that you are not carried away. Don't be carried down the wrong road, he says, but be careful about the friends you make in primary school and high school. Be careful about the company you keep at university. Be careful about who influences you in a work setting. Take care that you're not carried away. The the second reason Peter reminds us to take care is found in the second half of verse 17. He says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Now, with this word stability, Peter comes full circle in his letter, but also his life. Our stability has been his reason for writing. His aim is that we would be established in the faith. He has been laboring for firmness of faith, people planted squarely on solid ground. 
In one one, he says that he's writing to people who have obtained a faith of equal standing as ours. In one ten, he says that if we practice certain qualities, we will never fall. Peter wants us to be established in the faith. He's saying, stay on track, stay on the right path until it leads you to the rich entrance of the eternal kingdom. It's really important to stay on guard. It's really important to stay sharp spiritually. It's really important to, to question some of the things that we do without thinking. It's really important to, to, to question and think about what's influen influencing us, what's influencing our decisions, God, the Bible, or culture and society. P P Peter gives us a sense of that in verses 15 and, uh, 15 and 16. He mentions there, you'll see Paul and the writings of Paul. He says that there are some things in the Bible written by Paul that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. We need to stay on guard because there's a move within the church at large to change firmly held biblical beliefs. Some things that Paul writes in the New Testament are hard to understand. Peter's vague in what he says here. He's probably talking about issues regarding salvation, but, but in our day, some of what Paul says from an ethical perspective is hard to understand. I don't really want to go into this in any more depth, but let me say that some people are trying to do what Peter is saying here. Twist the teaching of Paul, twist the scriptures to fit in with what the culture believes is right. I'm not going to be any more specific than that, but if you watch the news, if you follow our denomination, you'll know what I'm talking about. P P Peter's warning to us is that if we fall for that, if we fall for the lie that our culture, our world knows best, and if we twist the scriptures to fit in, we do so to our own destruction. Instead of, instead of doing that, we, we need to stay on guard and we need to stand on the truth of the scriptures. What we have in this book is the unshakable, inerrant word of God. There, there's nothing greater or better that we can build our lives on. So first of all, Peter tells us about the importance of staying on guard. The second thing we read is the command to keep seeking to grow. The command to, seek, to, to keep seeking to grow. So if you look at the first half of verse 18, Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as we're to stay on guard against spiritual adversaries, we're to keep seeking to grow spiritually. Now, this is nothing new from Peter. If you've been tracking with me and paying attention to what Peter writes, you'll know that. From the beginning, Peter has told us to grow in our faith. Chapter 1, verses 5 to 11 is the best example. We spent four or five weeks going through, through those verses at midweek because they're verses that tell us about how we can grow as Christians. Peter told us to supplement our faith with qualities that will lead us to our heavenly home. P P Peter's understanding of faith is that we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone, his teaching lines up perfectly with the, the rest of the teaching of the New Testament. But like the rest of the New Testament, he teaches that our faith must grow if we are to keep from falling while traveling home. The Christian life is a long journey and we haven't arrived at our destination just yet. H.C. Morrison was an American Christian missionary who served in China at the turn of the 20th century. 
when he was returning to America, he happened to be traveling on the, sh on the same ship that carried President Teddy Roosevelt. The then commander-in-chief was coming back from a safari in Africa. The, their, their ship arrived in the harbor of New York City, and as it docked, Morrison was leaning on the deck rail, taking in the sights. And what sights he saw, signs of, of welcome everywhere for the president, bands were playing, flags were flying, banners were displaying, kind words of reception, firefighting boats were spraying water as a form of greeting in the sky. But Morrison looked at it all and began to feel sorry for himself. No one was there to meet him. No, no one was there to acknowledge his return home. So sulking on deck, he suddenly remembered that he actually wasn't home just yet. Not really. He had returned to his earthly homeland, but he hadn't yet made it to his eternal homeland. In preparing us for that journey, the journey to our eternal homeland, Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter talks about knowledge one last time. Strength and stability come from knowledge, knowledge of God, knowledge of God's word, knowledge of what it's like to have a personal relationship with God. But there's also this mention of grace. Grace is given, but it's, it's to be grown in as well. P Peter's point is simple. You have to keep knowing and you have to keep growing. You have to keep knowing and you have to keep growing. You have to remain connected to the grace that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You read the Bible, you pray, you come to church, you serve in church, you serve people outside of church. It's all very simple, but in the long term, in the light of eternity, it's all very effective. The importance of staying on guard, the command to keep seeking to grow, and finally, for this sermon and this letter, the privilege of singing all glory. The privilege of singing all glory. P Peter's final words in the Bible are song lyrics. He leaves the pages of scripture singing. So look at the end of verse 18. He says, to, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now this is Simple, it's all very short, but, but, but Peter signs off with one of the highest notes of praise to the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. The only other songs like this are in 2, 2 Timothy 4, 18 and Revelation 1, 3 to 6. It's really quite something that, that Peter uses words to praise Jesus with words that were normally reserved only for God. But the point is that Jesus is God. Throughout this letter, Peter has been reminding us that Jesus is the Savior and that he brings salvation. He talks about the Father and Christ being divine and the coming of Christ actually involving both of them. The, the, the other words and phrases that Peter uses reinforces what he's been teaching as well. The phrase, both now and to the day of eternity, well, that's difficult to translate. How can a day last forever? That's the sense of what Peter says. How, how can a day last forever? Well, Peter has told, us because, has told us because he has urged us to hold on to the prophet's promises until the day dawns, until the day of God comes, and in, in, in whose sight a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. Circling back to this fundamental idea from Psalm 90, if, if the thousands of years which, which separate us from the first coming of Christ are nothing in God's sight, 
then the day which sees his return can last for an eternity. That's the logic of what Peter says. So Some people say that Peter didn't write the last word of the letter. If that's true, then who can blame the unknown scribe who added his response? A response that we can join in with too. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Brilliant song lyrics. Peter talks about the importance of staying on guard, the command to keep seeking to grow, and the privilege of singing all glory. It's a snappy ending in a snappy little letter. This is a letter that challenges us to grow in our faith and to cultivate our relationship with the Lord Jesus. The question that lies before us as Christians tonight is, will we continue to do that? Will we continue to give ourselves to the things that will help us to grow as Christians? Uh, one of the things that I'm very conscious of at the moment is that there's a lot competing for our attention. Uh, d- during COVID, everyone had their appointments cancelled. Nobody went anywhere or did anything. But now we're back up to similar levels of busyness as before COVID, if not even busier. In the midst of the noise and busyness, are we going to give ourselves to Christian growth? Doesn't happen overnight, doesn't happen in an instant. It takes time and obedience to Christ and his word. And what too Peter has told us is that that investing in the Lord Jesus, in investing in service in his church, is the only thing that's going to matter in eternity. So are we going to give ourselves to Christian growth? Are we going to follow Christ with full hearts? Are we going to seek to live lives that are holy and pure and blameless? And with that, let let me leave you with one final challenge from this letter. If you're not a Christian, Peter speaks about the Lord's return a lot in this third chapter. The simple point to remember is that people matter more than things. We tend to forget this so easily, but people matter more than things. It's very, very easy to slip into the habit of thinking that the world is more enduring than its inhabitants. In other words, it's easy to think that the world will last forever and we won't. Peter says it's not the case. He says that people are more important and more enduring than things. In an unstable and perishable universe, the one stable and imperishable thing is human personality. And it's the one thing that God is concerned about. Your character, your soul, is the only thing that you can take out of this life with you. The world may be burned up. It may be dissolved. There's there's mystery in what Peter says. How that will happen, when it will happen, we don't know. But we will either meet God upon our deaths or on the great day of Jesus' return. And he will be concerned for our souls rather than things. The challenge is this, if you're not a Christian. Don't live for things that ultimately won't last. Don't live for things that you can't take with you into eternity. It's as Jesus once said, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? The the answer is nothing. So, So if you haven't already, You should turn to Christ and trust in him. And what you'll find is that he is someone that you can rely on and look to and know that in him your sins have been washed away. 
That's Second Peter then, a letter written by someone who, like a phoenix, rose from the spiritual ashes, a letter written so that we might receive grace to keep us from falling as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the letter of Second Peter. We thank you for all that we've learned as we've worked our way through it. And we thank you for the simple reminders that we've been, that we've been given tonight. We pray that we would see it as important that we stay on guard as Christians, that we stay spiritually fresh, that we look to you each morning for grace. And we also realize that there's a command to keep seeking to grow in our faith. And we pray that into these spring and summer months, we would, we would seek after you. We, we would immerse ourselves in the scriptures, that we would look to Christ for help in all things that we, that we come across in life. And we thank you as well that we have the privilege of singing all glory be to the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for all that he has done for us. We look forward to that great day of eternity when we'll spend it with him forever. We ask until that day you would give us grace to keep us from falling and that you'd also challenge those who aren't ready to meet Christ, that they would come to trust in him for the first time if they haven't already. Father, bless your word to all of our hearts tonight and we pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.